0: If you want to become work optional, you have to know which financial accounts to use and when to use them. But with dozens of different accounts and tax consequences, most people have no idea where to start. So today, we're helping you determine which accounts to use as you pursue a work optional life. Welcome to the Work Optional Podcast, where we discuss personal finance strategies you can use to create a life where you have ownership of your time. I'm Rachel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt here. And today we are discussing how to balance tax-deferred, tax-free, and taxable accounts to achieve work optionality. Hey, Matt, how are you doing today?
1: Good. How's it going?
0: Good. Excited to dive into our topic today. So I know first thing we want to tackle is kind of this concept of tax diversity and how important it is, especially if you want to be work optional. So maybe you can expand on that and tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this is uh, a favorite topic for both of us, because if you're going to become work optional, you have to have a blend of both uh, or of all three of tax deferred, tax free and taxable accounts. So when we're looking at tax diversity, you know, in maybe in high income years, that's when you're going to contribute more to your tax deferred accounts. When you're in low income years, you're going to think about either uh, contributing directly to your tax free accounts or maybe converting. Uh, and then there's the taxable account, which uh, is kind of always going to be there and the one that we want to build uh, our flexibility around and what we call the the bridge account. Um, so I think that we'll start off with tax-deferred accounts, uh, kind of give you an idea of what that means from a tax perspective, as well as which accounts fall under the tax-deferred umbrella. Um, So, Rachel, why don't you go ahead and and kick us off with tax-deferred accounts?
0: Yeah, so we have these three tax buckets, which Matt mentioned, and The idea here is let's fill up these different buckets to give us maximum control and say over our taxes. So bucket one that we're going to dive into is tax deferred. And most people have heard of this one. This is your traditional 401Ks, your traditional 403Bs, your traditional IRA. What happens here with a tax divert account is that money goes in pre-tax, so you avoid tax on it. And then it grows tax-deferred, and then you pay the tax when you pull the money out later, hopefully in retirement. So what we're doing here is we're deferring when we pay the taxes. So Matt already mentioned this, but this can be a really great account during your peak earning years. What we don't want to do is pay taxes when we are in the highest tax bracket. I don't know about you guys but I'd prefer to pay my taxes when I'm a lower bracket. that's what this account allows you to do So like I mentioned contributions are tax deductible but while the money is in that account everything you're earning on the money the capital gains the interest the dividends are not taxed. so this account actually gets to grow without any interruption from taxes which is really powerful because if you have more money earning you money then it's going to compound even more efficiently. Now, maybe a downside of this account, although sometimes I think it's an upside, but this account is typically restricted until you reach age 59 and a half. What this means is you will pay a penalty on top of tax if you draw those funds out before age 59 and a half. Um, That's called a non-qualified distribution. There are ways around it. There's Rule 72T, Rule of 55. There's... um, things that can happen in your life that give you access to this account earlier on. That's a separate episode. We will dive into that later. But I do always like to point out that this is a retirement account and the tax advantage here is so powerful. I really prefer not to touch this account if we don't have to, because again, I prefer to leave those funds alone and let them continue to grow without interruption from taxes. So that is an introduction to the tax deferred account that is bucket one. Matt, I don't know if there's anything you want to add on to that, but then we can go into bucket two.
1: No, I I think you're really just driving the point home that the exceptions to the, the qualified distribution rules, you know, there are those exceptions, but for the most part, you want to avoid, you know, accessing those funds before 59 and a half at pretty much you know any cost. Um. So that, that kind of segues us into the tax-free bucket where, again, these are going to be re- considered retirement accounts. So they ha- also are subject to the restrictions of 59 and a half qualified distributions. But there's even more nuance there because some, you, know, you can take contributions out uh, tax and penalty free on some of these. So again, going to be a completely different episode. But when we move over into the tax-free bucket, as opposed to the tax-deferred, Um, money goes in after tax. So that means you got taxed on whether it's your paycheck or your business income, and then you contribute it to this account, say it's a Roth IRA. Um, then it's going to, again, grow tax-free any kind of capital gains, um, dividends or interest that you receive is not going to be taxed, uh, when it happens. Then in the future, if you meet that qualified distribution rule, Everything that you pull out, all the growth and the previous contributions is going to be withdrawn completely tax-free. So you can see why that would be really advantageous uh, in certain scenarios where uh, it kind of gives you a little bit more, as much as you could say, certainty when it comes to financial planning, especially when you're looking out potentially 30, 40 years from now, um, you're kind of locking in your tax consequences today. So as I mentioned with the tax-free bucket, that's where you're going to kind of allocate dollars when you are in maybe a lower income year. If you're a sales professional, maybe it's a lower year and a lower year could be you're uh, you're in the 28% bracket instead of the 37. Um, Just kind of trying to play that tax arbitrage. Um, So that's when it's going to be used best. Or if you do achieve work optionality, say in your later forties or fifties, whatever it might be, um, then your income is going to be lower. That's when maybe you consider converting to, uh, converting the tax deferred dollars to the tax free bucket. Um, a lot of our listeners are going to be high income earners that are outside of the the income limitations to contribute directly to a Roth or make tax deductible contributions. In that scenario, uh, we're going to be looking at what's called a backdoor Roth IRA. There's a lot of considerations around there um, as far as the pro-rata rule and a few other things, the aggregation of all your IRAs. So I think that maybe not a whole other episode, but probably a whole other topic uh, where one will cover that. Um, and after we kind of fill up our our tax-free and tax-deferred buckets with the amount that we're either comfortable with or the amount that we're able to with our income, we look at uh the taxable brokerage account. So Rachel, this is this is your forte. So go ahead and uh and give us give us some knowledge.
0: Yeah, I always get excited to talk about this account. So you know, these, the tax-free, the tax-deferred accounts, they're great. They give us a great tax incentive to fund the accounts to save for retirement. But one of the biggest mistakes I see from clients, from prospects, just from people I talk to, um, is they tell me they have a work optional goal. But then when we go to look to see where their money is, it's entirely in retirement accounts. And if you want to retire or to be work optional or just want to access money, before age 59 and a half, then you need a bridge account, an account that allows you to access it without penalty before age 59 and a half. This is where the taxable brokerage steps in and can act as that bridge. Because again, there are ways to get money out of retirement accounts. You can pull out Roth contributions. You can do the rule 72T But I prefer to leave those accounts alone, their retirement accounts, they have a tax advantage, let's leave them alone and instead use um, a different type of account, the, the taxable brokerage account. So taxable brokerage account is great and I love it, especially for anyone who's interested in becoming work optional. Um, early on, because if you do want to achieve work optional status early, you do need to be putting away probably a significant amount of your income. And one of the drawbacks to tax deferred and tax free accounts is there are contribution limits. With a taxable account, there's no contribution limits. You can put as much as you want into this account without concern that you're going to be phased out, you're going to be capped. Now, taxable accounts are taxed as they go. So if you have investments that are shooting off interest, like bonds, bonds will shoot off interest, that will be taxed. If you have stocks or hold uh, funds that are shooting off dividends, that's taxed. It is taxed as you go for those components. Now, just because there is no apparent tax advantage, like a tax deferred where you put Money and uh, before tax or tax-free, where it grows tax-free, doesn't mean there is no tax advantage to a taxable brokerage account. I want to mention here that when you deal with a taxable brokerage account, you get to deal with capital gains tax. This is something we can go deeper into at another time. I just want to introduce here. It's not like there's no tax advantage with this account. With this account you now get to enter into dealing with capital gains. So there are short-term capital gains. That's where you hold your investments for one year or less. And if you sell an investment at a gain um, and it's a short-term capital gain, you will be taxed at ordinary income rates. But if you hold your investments for the long-term, more than one year, now you get to deal with long-term capital gains rates. Long-term capital gains are taxed at a preferential rate, that meaning they're taxed better than your ordinary income tax. So there is a tax incentive here. um, And I love that the tax incentive is to hold your investments for the long term because it aligns with what should be our investment philosophy as well. Um, And there's several different tax strategies here and within this account. So one is long-term capital gains. There's also things called tax loss harvesting that you can use in this account and tax gain harvesting. This account is great if you are charitably inclined and want to make charitable donations. You can donate appreciated securities. There's so many different strategies with this account, which I could get into at another time. But the most important point here for the sake of this episode is that it will serve as a bridge account. So if you retire at age 50 and you really don't want to tap into those retirement accounts um, for as long as you possibly can, now you can start pulling from the taxable brokerage to supplement your income or to completely create an income for you until you reach reach age 59 and a half. Anything you want to add to that, Matt?
1: Uh, I'd say kind of going along with the theme that you mentioned about uh, being able to control the tax with the taxable account is it kind of brings us back to tax location uh, when it comes to your assets. So when you are investing, you know, say it's uh, or buying a bond fund, maybe, you know, that's something that you want to keep more in your tax deferred account um, versus if you're doing things correctly. Uh, what you're holding in your taxable brokerage account is likely going to be um, like higher growth equities that aren't really sending off a bunch of interest and dividends. Um, so then that way, you're really only taxed when you recognize when you sell. Um, so pretty much if you're investing in any kind of fund, they're likely going to be distributing some kind of dividends. Um, but it's not going to be as much as say the interest that gets kicked off from a bond fund. So mm-hmm. that is takes us to again, another topic, uh, on tax location, which is a huge value add, which, which we'll get into on another episode. Um, outside of that, you know, there are, I think there's one account that we absolutely have to touch on that doesn't really fall into any of the, these three buckets. Cause it's a little bit, uh, unique and that's going to be the health savings accounts, uh, commonly referred to as the HSA. So with that whole different beast, uh, the contribution that you make to the account is tax deductible. Everything grows tax free. And then if you pull the funds out for qualified medical expenses, which there's a very long list uh, of what's qualified, those funds can actually be withdrawn tax-free as well. Uh, and then there's a lot of other advantages where down the road you can, you know, use medical expenses from years, years beforehand. Uh, and then once you hit a certain age, it actually essentially converts to uh, a tax-deferred account, and you can withdraw uh, without any kind of penalty, even if it isn't a qualified medical expense. But again, going to be probably a whole another episode on the HSA. Um, outside of that, you know, I think we wanted to keep this episode a little bit more high-level from a tax diversity standpoint, instead of getting really into uh, the specific accounts, uh, and then. In following episodes, we're going to talk about how to use these accounts and how to allocate cash flow to them to align with short, intermediate, and long-term goals. Uh, anything else that you wanted to add?
0: Yeah, we just want to introduce you to this topic here. It's something that we find not a lot of people know or think about. Um, and it is important, especially can't hammer this home enough when you have a goal of being work optional. If you have a traditional retirement goal, you're probably going to get by with just worrying about your retirement accounts, doing tax deferred, doing tax free. If you have a work optional goal, or if you ever have a desire to take money out and fund a business or to go on vacation or anything like that, that's where you really need a taxable brokerage account to step in. And I'm a fan of a taxable brokerage account for so many other reasons beyond just it being a bridge, but really it is the ultimate flexibility account. So it cannot be ignored. So what I would do is go to and look at your portfolio and just break down what percentage is in tax deferred, what percentage is in tax free and what percentage is in taxable and see if that makes sense for you. Now that might be a little bit of a hard simulation to run. We do have to think about what income do I need and when do I need it? But at least it should give you an idea of, am I diversified from a tax standpoint? And so we talk about diversification with investments all the time, and that is so, so, so important, but it's also really important from a tax standpoint too. Because again, like we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, if you're have if you in one bucket, you're in tax-deferred accounts only, then you really have no say over your taxes. Money's just gonna come out, it's going to be completely taxable at your ordinary income rates. If you have all three tax buckets, now you have a say over your tax impact. And that's what we want for you here is to have a control over it, have a say in it. And that's what tax diversity does for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I forgot to mention earlier, just uh, like a personal experience. You know, I'm working with a lot of millennials, people in their like early 30s, uh, 40s. I can't tell you how many times I've run into the scenario where they they come to me and they have pretty much everything that they own asset wise is in a tax deferred account. You know, they've kind of been conditioned to contribute as much as they can. And, you know, whatever they need to do to max out that 401k is is essentially what they do. And then they come to me and they say, well, yeah, we want to buy a house in the next five years. And they have no other no other assets available to facilitate that. So in that scenario, you're looking at, you know, your down payment is going to be very minimal. So then your monthly payment is going to be much higher. So you really, you know, need to be intentional about where you're allocating your flow amongst, amongst, amongst these three buckets. Um, Mm -hmm. outside of that, you know, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. I have one
0: more thing I want to say. (laughs) Um, I I just want to bring up, too, that this is great when you know what you want. So I have some people that come in and they're like, I want to be work optional at 45. I want to you know, fund this, fund that. Some people don't know or some people are kind of stuck between two goals. It's always a balancing act. One of the most common scenarios I see is they really want to fund their children's education, but also they want to fund um, becoming work optional as soon as possible. And it's hard now to know how to prioritize these different goals. Um, And again, what I like about the taxable brokerage is that it gives you the flexibility for you to say, this is what I think I want right now, but in 10 years, I'm not sure. And so what a taxable brokerage account is going to do is it's not going to lock you into any one goal. So if you're stuck between these two goals, for example, funding children's education versus um, wanting to be work optional by a certain age. You can always bring in the taxable brokerage account as an option um, to fund that and let yourself decide later, maybe when you have more data, maybe when it's a little bit clearer what school your children want to go to and are they going to get scholarships or maybe uh, are are you is being work optional now way more important to you than it was 10 years ago. So I, I like this account because it doesn't lock you into anything like a five twenty nine would for education or like a tax deferred account for retirement, um, it gives you that flexibility when you're stuck between two goals too. So I just want to make sure to mention that from a flexibility standpoint.
1: Yeah, and I think that's going to be one thing that you learn about Rachel and I throughout this listening to this podcast is we we love flexibility. Pretty much more than anything, so uh, we're always going to be, you know, trying to give ourselves the best opportunity to to pivot when when things change or when our minds change. Um, but that brings us to the end of this episode. You know, I hope that we really drove home the importance of of tax diversification and kind of showing you the benefits of those. Um, as always, thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show. Please consider giving us uh, a rating or a review on whatever platform you're listening or watching on. Uh, and you can find me uh, at on Twitter or X at Matthew underscore Garisic. Same thing on Instagram or uh, my company website, unrivaledwm.com. Uh, Rachel, where can they find you?
0: Yeah, Twitter or X camp underscore wealth, Instagram at camp wealth. Uh, and my website is rachelcampwealth.com.
1: Awesome. Uh, until next time
0: thank you guys this content is strictly for educational and informational purposes and because everyone's situation is unique you should consult with the appropriate professional before enacting any of the information you may hear in this podcast you should not construe any such information or material as legal tax investment or financial advice this content is provided as is And although the material is believed to be accurate, no representations are made that the content is error-free.